0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mr. Saunders show. Uh, today we are going to be Mr. Saunders has a list of a few books that everyone should read on philosophy and economics. So, Mr. Saunders, what uh what are some of these books that you got here?
1: Well, on the on the list um let me just read through them. There's 10 books on the list and uh Six or seven of them are books that you really should read to 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 make you a more educated person and to uh, help you think more clearly because these are these are great thinking men right. that that write these books and you know they could and um, so one of them would be uh, conflict divisions we've talked about that Thomas Sowell. Uh another one would be economics in one lesson by Henry Hazlitt yep. uh, it's a great book it's a real quick read the chapters are short. And when you read you, when you read each chapter, it's it's it's. I have written down here the best thin book that teaches one to think like an economist, which means a logical free market economist. It's a classic, and it's been in print since the nineteen sixties. Um, Economics in one lesson by Hazlitt. Another one, of course, is The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith, and I'd get the abridged version. Don't read the big thick version. Just like when you're reading Dostoevsky or you know, uh, uh, any of these people, get the abridged version of Crime and Punishment or Brothers Karamazov or War and Peace. By Get get the thinner one. It's going to be better, and you'll get the idea. Um, Another one would be, uh, now here's a book that you need to get the abridged version, but I think when you read it, you're not going to understand it because I don't understand it. I don't think anybody does really. It's called The Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. And when you read it, it's so full of reification, which means he gives personality to concepts. You know, he gives these, the bourgeoisie is going to write, you know, is this and this and this. And the middle class, the proletariat will rise up. It's like, how are you giving personality to these concepts, like the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, as though they're big cartoon characters? And Karl Marx does this all the time, you know, and, and, uh, um, but he writes very emotionally it's somewhat powerfully if you're if you're a person that's never heard a good sermon in church you're going to really you're going to really suck into this you're going to mm-hmm. go wow i'm going to go to the altar rail right now because <laughs> it says working men of the world unite you have nothing to lose but your chains
2: sign me up comrade right
1: let's go <laughs> we're going to you know yeah. we're going to abolish private property and have utopia we're going to sing john lennon songs all you know, from <laughs> here on out. Imagine. but when you define the terms you're going to have a hard time telling me what this all means right. anyway so that's communist manifesto here's another book that's along the same lines it's by john kenneth galbraith called the affluent society and it's another book that you will not understand because i don't think he understands it the, w- the writing is inscrutable the sentence structure it's just terribly written um i could probably uh find let me see if i have something written down here hold on and um and uh, it's just like you got to be uh hold on here um Well, I don't, darn it. But um, he talks about the um, uh, uh, conventional wisdom, you know, where everybody gets sucked into advertising and we all think the same because the capitalists and the advertisers want us to think that way. Uh But, of course, he doesn't think that way because he's so smart. So he's the only one that's above all of this thinking, but the rest of us are stupid, except for people that like the book. The people that like the book think they're not stupid, but just everyone else is stupid, and they succumb to conventional wisdom and um, you know go shop at places like Walmart or whatever. But so that's a book, and I challenge you: if you think you like that book, you tell me what the first page, you tell me what the first paragraph means, okay? In the affluent society, where it talks about wealth having personality, it's like you can, come on, come on. Okay, another book would be The Road to Serfdom by Hayek. This is a great book. It's a thin book. Frederick Hayek uh, wrote it, um, and he predicted that the economies of Nazi Germany and Russia would fail eventually because they're a socialist. And in a socialist economy, uh, for one thing, prices make no sense. They, they don't, you don't know what the price of anything should be. You don't know what should be produced, what, what's valuable, what, what labor is worth. You really don't. Unless you have a free market, and, 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 and Hayek can explain this in, a, in, in this classic called "Road: the Road to Serfdom." And serfdom means we're all going to be SERFs, serfs. Right. We're going to be poor if we stick with socialism. Okay? And if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, you need to read the book by Hayek. <laughs> read it, and tell me where he's wrong, and we can have a great discussion about it, but I guarantee you won't read it. I, I, I give these books to my friends that are more socialist. They won't read them. They, they won't. I've done this several times, and they won't read them. And, this is getting, and my uncle was a, was a liberal, and he never read anything. But boy, did he have an opinion on everything. So this is why I want you to read these books. Read them. Very few people do, especially people on the left. I'm telling you the truth. Now you'll, find, you'll find this out. Another book is Capitalism and Freedom by Milton Friedman. Very thin book. That's a great book by Milton Friedman. Another one is Life at the Bottom by by Dalrymple. He's a Brit. Um, he's uh, These are all essays. And he's a London psychologist who worked for 20 years in a slum hospital and prison. And he seeks to clarify the worldview of the underclass and explain how it results in poverty of spirit and condition. And it's a... It, it's um, it's not. It's not a book you want to read on a, on a cloudy day because it makes you <laughs> it makes you kind of gloomy. <laughs> but it's a. V- he's a great writer. He's funny. Life at the Bottom by Dalrymple, and and he'll make you. And he, he believes that mankind is flawed, and that there's certain patterns that a lot of us follow that's go- that are going to keep us at the bottom of the underclass, as he calls it. And in Britain the bu- the underclass is they're all, they're white. And so it's easier to write about an underclass if it's the same race as you, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's, you, you, you it, it's a little safer to write about the underclass in yeah, Britain right. because you're not, you're not dealing with any racial problems here right. or any racial judgments. I hope that's, that's interesting. Makes sense. Yeah. Another book is the law by, by, uh, Frederick Bastiat, a great French economist. Um, uh, I'll just read this thin classic on the philo- philosophical basis of law written in the mid-19th uh, century by a Frenchman who had witnessed the carnage brought to his nation by the, by the ideas of Jean-Jacques Rousseau, right? Rousseau, and the ensuing French Revolution. So The Law by Bastiat. Real thin book. Another book that maybe you should read just to see the, uh, try to read it. You tell me what he's saying, okay? And, and, and that will be a fun conversation because it's difficult to know what this man is saying in this book. It's called Rules for Radicals. And his name is Saul Alinsky. And he was a community organizer. In fact, some people think the phrase community organizer was coined because of Saul Alinsky. He was a community organizer in Chicago. And uh, some people call him a community agitator, so he was always being a a man of the left. His parents were communists, uh, um, and uh, he, basically his belief is pretty so pretty pretty much communism. If you look at what his goals were about redistribution of wealth and and income and stuff, but he wouldn't claim to be a communist or a socialist because he's too. He's too smart and slippery for that, Saul Alinsky is. He's, he's very difficult to pin down. And when you read the book, you're going to have a hard time pinning down his ideas other than he, he's anti what is established, and he calls it the status quo. Well, so that's what he is. He's anti-status quo. And what's he, what's he in favor of? Guess what the word is? Change. So those are words you're going to hear a lot Hoping by people. To change. <laughs> the people I that read Alinsky. You go, what do you want to change? I want to change the status quo. Well, what's that? That's uh, inequity. Oh, really? So what kind of inequity? So, well, you know, the way people live. There's poor people. There's rich people. There's 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 men. There's women. There's slaves. There's homosexuals. Oh, my God. you got a lot of <laughs> battles you're fighting here. And... uh you know, in a country that's never had it so good as yeah, any right. country in the history of the world, there's still, there's always going to be people that are very unhappy with the quote, status quo, and Saul Alinsky is one of them, and he's going to change things, and the book is not really about what he believes, but how to agitate for change, mm-hmm. and how you make fun of your opponent, and how you, uh, things like that, um. Let me read one little section here from his book. It'll be quick. Um So uh he says uh what is the American radical? He is the person whom the common good is the greatest personal that va- is the greatest personal value or oh, to whom the common good is the greatest personal value. He is the person who genuinely and completely believes in mankind. Um he wants a world in which the worth of the individual is in, is recognized. He wants a world based on the morality of mankind. Now, those things sound great, but they I, I I look at them as meaningless. Because what is the morality of mankind? Does, then he they, doesn't
0: define that. Yeah, no. Who defines right. that?
1: Right. I mean, the world based. What do you mean the world based on the morality of mankind? What the hell does that mean? Does that mean that people in Egypt? Something's going to be based on the what is the morality of mankind? Is it that we're immoral? Is it that I I don't I don't. This is what the book is, It's written with 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 statements like this, that. People are going to stand up and cheer, but I don't know. Right. But really, you don't know what they mean. Because when I ask you what they mean, you won't be able to answer it.
0: Right. It's very moving on the surface, but there's no substance to it. Kind of a hope no, and
1: changey kind of guy who yeah.
2: gave those kind of speeches. <laughs> you know? That's true.
0: No one ever questioned no, what does that mean. He gave these
2: pontificating
1: speeches, right, right. and everybody went right. ooh and ah. Right? <laughs> right, right. And you go, what exactly did he say? Right. And they don't know. I read both books by Obama. <clears throat> uh, dreams Dreams of my father from my Uh, father uh, 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 the audacity of hope I've read of both and to tell you the truth I'm not sure exactly what Mr. Obama was you know I don't know exactly what he was Uh, although he wanted change he wanted a better world well I don't know a single person that doesn't Mm -hmm. I don't know one person that wakes up and says I want a worse world (laughs) and I want things to go backwards and I want everybody to be unhappy (laughs) (laughs) It's everybody. Right
2: wants you a better world. Find it a bit arrogant that he wrote two autobiographies and he did nothing. <laughs> well, let's get away from that because <laughs> no. I, I don't have
1: his books down on the list. <laughs> now, another quote. Another quote from Alinsky is quote: "Radicals want to advance from the jungles of laissez-faire capitalism to a world worthy of the name of human civilization. They hope for a future." Where the means of economic production will be owned by all of the people instead of a comparative handful, so that that tells you that Mr. Olinsky is a redistributionist mm-hmm. and a socialist or a Marx—I'd call it a Marxist. Okay, so okay, so then you start, you know, and and you need to know that jungles of lo- a world worthy of the name of human civilization now what does that mean there's another phrase where i I don't know what that means worthy of the name of human civilization you know i don't um does that mean that the that the free market country of america the most free market country in the world is the least civilized is that what he means that the that the, that Venezuela, who has less free market, is more civilized? Yeah. What does that mean? That does that mean the U.S. to not be
0: worthy of the name human civilization?
1: Yeah. the USSR, who was who was Marxist communist, was more civilized or deserved the name of civilization more than the USA? I, I don't understand this, and this is what I mean by when you read the books by Sowell or Dalrymple or, or, or Adam Smith or Hayek or Friedman, you will, you will understand every phrase they say. You will understand it.
2: Has a deep what, meaning in what they're saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to think about it, but everything is clearly defined. Mm-hmm. You will understand it. You will not understand what Olinsky's talking about or Galbraith or Marx. You won't. And people that say they do, I don't believe, because they won't be able to tell you. Right.
2: You know, the clearest thing that Solinsky said to me was
1: who he dedicated his book to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he his second book is Rules for Radicals. His first book, wrote written in nineteen forty six, is Revelry for Radicals. So that in the second book, Rules for Radicals, written in the seventies, maybe maybe seventy one. And uh which tells you he's always agitating. This is thirty years apart, and one of them is right after World War Two. We should be celebrating, right? Defeating for defeating the Axis powers. And he's writing the book about we need more chaos. Equity, but oh. through through yeah, through breaking down what exists. Yeah. Which means chaos, right? Yeah, in the second book, Rules for Radicals, in the um preface or no no in the acknowledgement or whatever in the beginning of the book. I think it was a preface. The De- dedication. dedication. Yeah. Right. I mean he dedicates his book to the first radical who who rebelled and and, and got and received his own kingdom. And that would be Lucifer, which, which would be Satan. Now Alinsky's <laughs> an atheist, so he's just using this, you know, as a blah, metaphor. Blah, blah. Yeah. But you know, I mean in a way this is so uh interesting because what was Lucifer But but an agitator of chaos. Did Lucifer ever create anything? No. Can't write a poem. Can't build a building. Doesn't create anything. What does he do? He destroys. destroys. That's the Judeo-Christian philosophy of Lucifer, okay, is he's a destroyer and he's a liar, the first liar. And the fact that Linsky dedicates a book to this character is very revealing to me, and I, I, and I and you could even just say ironic or funny or coincidental that if you're a person who's more of a Judeo-Christian, more pro-free market, you would look at Linsky as a dist, as an advocate of destruction and chaos, and willing to. And he does say in his book often that the ends justify. The means, which is never said in the Bible, but it is, but it is a, it is, it is what liars believe, right? Mm-hmm. The ends justify the means by any means necessary, right? Mm-hmm. And and so that's what this book is about. And so, I say you should read it, but when you read it, I think you should be frustrated by it
2: and there was someone that uh, followed him i think quite uh, this last candidate uh Hillary Clinton yeah well was, she was oh, actually
1: yeah. trained um uh, um in by i believe by Saul Alinsky and went to a lot of the seminars and the training things. yeah they became in, close right they did, yeah, she wrote her uh, paper on him uh a college paper or thesis or whatever it was like an uh like an 80 page paper I, I I think you can get that paper now. I'd be very. I would like to get a hold of that and read it. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's Google. out there. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, Hillary was trained in the tactics of Olinsky. Obama was too, I believe. There, you know, and all Olinsky was to Chicago. He spun out of Chicago, as did as did uh, Hillary and, and and Barack Obama. They're Chicago politicians. Um, And I'm not saying every Chicago politician is a Saul Alinsky-trained community agitator, but these these two are, and so the book should be read, and um, and if you get angry with it, good, but you need to understand your enemy a bit here. Yeah, in Saul Alinsky, where they're coming from, right? Yeah. And Saul, Saul, like all agitators, like all what, what we call radicals, believes that uh, he's angry about an, an, an inequity in the world, right, which could be rich, poor. He, halves, he calls them haves and have-nots. He goes, there are two kinds of people in the world, haves and have-nots. Mm-hmm. And there's have-sums and wants a little bit mores. And he said, well, you know, this is the deal. We need to agitate the have-nots. That's the goal of a community organizers to agitate the have nots. To take down the haves. And then yeah, we need to take down the haves, we need to restructure the whole system. Right? So if that means we drown the baby in the bathwater, so be it. Because any system that produces haves and have nots is an illegitimate system. Even if so they, so mm-hmm. they call capitalism a system. When actually I believe it's the absence of a system. The right. system would be socialism. Someone's in control of a system. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Capitalism,
2: no one's in control. Like
1: Ex- the free market. Exa- the free market, it's just, right? The buyers and sellers, and basically everybody. And thank yous. Everybody's a seller. Yeah. yeah. Because before you can buy, you have to have money. Where'd you get the money? You had to sell something. That means your yeah. labor or something, right? Yeah. So everybody is a seller. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. It reminds me of when I mean, you say like the ends justify the means and that someone's in control. It reminds me of Hitler and the way that he, the master race, right? And that if he could get rid of everybody, it would a- end up being better for society. You know, the ends justify the means that a lot of people will die. But then at the end, the world will be a better place. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and remember Hitler said, what luck that men do not think Hitler knew <laughs> that people weren't going to think about what he was saying. Right. And he said, What luck that <laughs> men do not think. Yeah. Because he knew that would be the end of him. And that's our, yeah. our, 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 right? If people would have asked Hitler, define your yeah, terms, right. what do you mean, you know, uh, fatherland and breadbasket and what you know we should go into russia what are you talking about here this final solution what exactly do you mean here we're gonna kill six million jews and gas them i mean come on he wrote his book mind comp we should have held his feet to the fire nobody read his book yep right nobody over here read his fdr didn't read his book nobody so we weren't worried he was time magazine's man of the year in 1933 i think it was why? Because nobody on Time magazine staff read the book. That's why.
0: Yeah, that's
1: so interesting. Time. That's why we should read
0: these books. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's crazy that he missed that. Winston
1: Churchill the read <laughs> the book.
2: Well, wasn't Hillary Clinton the man of the woman of the year? Sorry. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Yeah. Well,
1: oh, well, I'm how, saying how that's crazy.
2: Was he the man of the year? Yeah. Eh.
0: But I mean. It's Hitler. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but in
2: 1933, was he Hitler? Well, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, no, he, he really
1: was. He's, the book had come out. You could have read the book. You'd know what he was up to. They
2: were in concentration camps though at the time. There was, trying, uh, Believe me, I'm not trying to protect the guy. I'm just saying. Right. At 33. It's probably a little bit different than the way we look back at him now.
1: Well, but there was enough out there that he had said already that that that, that, that the peop, the the wise people Churchill knew who he was and other people yeah. did. You can you see know, it coming. I don't know when did Einstein leave the country. He must have figured it out pretty soon at, you know, <laughs> around then. Yeah. And there were already, uh, you know, down syndrome people being, at, you know, put to put to death and things like that. That's what um the show um
0: Oh man. Man in the High Castle. I don't know if you have ever seen that show? Oh, no. no. It shows it's a um show about if the Axis powers that have won the war and basically that takes place in the sixties and Germany controls the Eastern half of the U S and Japan controls the Western half. And it's super interesting because they show that where the, everyone has to be perfect. So like they, it, it, the main one of the main characters is, um, An old, he was actually a US Army officer and then he converted and became a Nazi. And he's working, it kind of shows him working his way up in the the Nazi ranks. But one of his kids ends up getting like a disease or something. And it's like a curable, or it's like a degenerative disease or something like that. But they can't have that. So he has to end up hiding his son from uh, the rest of the Nazis. So they're going to kill him because they pretty much kill anybody that's not perfect. And so it's really interesting. It shows that whole thing where, like, they're creating this perfect human race. The actual perfect race. Right, right. And then anybody that, yeah, the the Down right, syndrome right, babies or whatever, right, all that right. just goes into that. It's really uh, and, interesting.
1: Uh, and Adolf was a, was a great believer in the chain of life and the in survival of the fittest. And mm-hmm. then uh, the German people were at the top of the chain of life, and they were the fittest. And he was a great believer in evolution. Yeah and so yeah it makes it makes some sense. we need to clear out the chaff, yeah, and so in Germany, even in the late twenties uh uh the weak the infirm the senile were were uh often uh, uh put to death mm. you know, and so the holocaust with the Jews shouldn't have been the biggest shock in the world if you look at what was already happening right in, in that country and um you know so yeah Yeah.
0: all right thank you guys so much for listening uh remember to like the facebook page the mr saunders show on facebook and subscribe on itunes and spotify and again thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time